The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And a very good morning to you all. Welcome to a weekend edition of the AudioCast. My name is Omar Moore. It is indeed Saturday, March the 14th. 2020. Hoping your weekend is getting off to a good start as we have come into a wild political season amidst a lot of upheaval. For those of you who are indoors, which I hope you are, please continue to stay safe, self isolate. And wash your hands. Lord knows we need uh, this time to do those things. For some of us, we have to be out and about. We may have to work on the weekend. We may have to be out and about to help loved ones who need assistance. But I urge you wherever you are, to be careful. Just wanted to recap what has gone on literally in the last, I guess, uh, 10 hours or so, if not that. The House of Representatives late last night on the West Coast, but if you're on the East Coast, that would be early this morning, passed an emergency bill, a coronavirus aid relief bill that will give people who are not working, who have been laid off, for example, um, extended unemployment benefits, emergency unemployment benefits. I think that that is a very good idea. It was a um, largely bipartisan vote. There were 40 Republicans who didn't vote for this bill. How dare you? But in general, it was a bill in the house that passed there was literally about 15 minutes of debate if that and then the vote swiftly went through the final vote was 360 feet let me say that again the final vote was 363 yay and 40 nay with one person voting present that was an independent I suspect it was Justin Amash, but I do not have the roll call vote in front of me. And then I think there were about 20 or so who did not vote at all. But nonetheless, it passed very handily in the House, 363 to 40. Now, um, as far as this goes, now with this House bill passed, 
It will go to the Senate on Monday. And I expect that the U.S. Senate will do something that they haven't done in a long time, which is actually vote on a bill and um, at least vote on some bipartisan legislation. And they vote on some things, but not on the things that really, really matter uh, that will affect the country. And now that we are in a national emergency, as declared by um, the you-know-who in the White House, um, we now will need to have an extraordinary uh, response from uh, to this virus, which is is really wreaking havoc here in the United States, and will continue to do so over the next few weeks. And the House has done its job. Now it's up to the U.S. Senate. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, is missing in action. I don't know where he is whether he's self-quarantining or whatever he's doing, um, but not heard from him in the last day or two. And, and uh, the calls on Twitter, hashtag where's Mitch, is a good question. It is a good question because we need to know where Mitch McConnell is. This is emergency legislation. You know, this guy would be up until God knows what O-Dog hundred hours when it came to shutting down government, when it came down to... You know, when it came to these tax cuts, when it came down to trying to repeal Obamacare, when it came down to um, trying to put through nominees to the Supreme Court, toxic nominees like um, Brett Kavanaugh, when it came down to these impeachment situations where he would do these late, late sessions, you know, where is he now when it comes to helping the American public? I don't think I don't think that this is excusable anymore. Mitch McConnell missing in action, ladies and gentlemen, everybody. So that is where we are at the moment with coronavirus. Look, I already talked yesterday about what was going on with you-know-who, and I don't want to go over that again uh, for this weekend. I do want to move on to the other things going on in politics And of course, that is now the thing that's not going to get much coverage amidst the wall-to-wall coronavirus updates, which I think, uh, as far as the corporate news media is concerned, they will not really be giving you information rather than other than who is not doing what they're supposed to do. And I think I suggest to you, if you want to get some real information about coronavirus and about how it's affecting people in your area or anywhere else, it'd be to consult the World Health Organization. I would also uh, go to the Johns Hopkins University website, Johns Hopkins University. I think that's a really good place to go. Johns Hopkins University has a website. You can just, you know, you can go search it and you can find the, um, once you get to that website, you can find the area where they talk about COVID-19, which is the, coronavirus and you can click on that information and you will get an incredible website laying out exactly where these cases are plus you can get some uh, information on the virus itself I want to just say a couple of things really quickly Um, wash your hands number one, number two whenever you handle cash any banknotes wash your hands I would also do the same when it comes to coins um, so be careful with that. Um, there's no word on whether 
having plastic, you know, where the credit cards could possibly spread uh, any of this kind of virus. But look, whatever you're doing, make sure you wash your hands after you're doing it. If you can get to a bathroom, hopefully one that's clean, right? Uh, make sure that you do take those precautions and wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. I would say for 30 seconds, and I would wash my hands or wash your hands. You you should wash your hands with hot water or warm water. People say cold, but I would, to be safe, hot water or warm water and with soap. Definitely with soap. And what I would urge you to do also is to use wipes. I would urge you to, when you're turning on and off faucets, particularly in public bathrooms, unless it's one of those automated faucets where the water just comes out while you put your hand under the faucet, if it, it, I would urge you to make sure that you have paper towels when you open and close those faucets. Open or close them with paper towels before and after you wash your hands. That is the kind of thing I strongly recommend, especially in public bathrooms. And in your home, when you sneeze, when you sneeze anywhere, make sure that you wipe down the surface that you sneezed on. Obviously, if you sneezed into the air, well, you shouldn't. You should cover your mouth. Sneeze into your clothing or even if you do sneeze into your hands, for goodness sakes, do not touch any surface and wash your hands. My recommendation is to sneeze into an article of clothing that you have. Preferably sneeze into your elbow. That would be the best idea. Make sure that you cover your mouth when you cough. And if you cough into your mouth, make sure you also wash your hands. Do not touch surfaces. So those are my recommendations as far as that goes. And if you are home, wash your hands every hour, even at home. I would do that anywhere. But if you can, wash your hands every hour or as often as you can. Certainly when you go to the bathroom, wash your hands. You know, I read it, something on Sky News. There was a broadcast on Sky News, and Sky News said that there were still 25% of people in the UK who, despite all the advisories about dealing with coronavirus, had not been taking any new measures whatsoever, which is very distressing, I think. So please don't be one of those 25%. Make sure you wash your hands. And as for other tips, aside from self-isolation, if you are going to exercise, make sure you do 15 to 30 minutes of exercise, either daily or every other day, or about three times a week. This is about building your immune system. If you are elderly, which is difficult to exercise, but obviously just do some light exercising. Moving your arms if you're if you are ambulatory, um, if you can, raise your arms up and then down and do so as many times as you are able for about five minutes. If you can do that, it's difficult as you get older, and it's difficult to build your immune system because it inevitably gets compromised. Because that's just the nature of things once you do get older. But if you are older and you can't exercise, I would urge you to have someone bring you food if they can do so. Order food um, 
not from restaurants, of course, but from grocery stores. Have someone do a grocery store run for you. I would urge you to have them get you, and this applies to anybody, whether you're elderly or not, get you tangerines, mandarins in terms of fruits. I would say also um, bananas, but especially organic blueberries and organic strawberries, along with those tangerines and mandarins. I think those are very, very important. They help uh, build up um, valuable nutrients for you. I would also recommend that you eat wild fish. Anything at all that's wild, I would recommend wild fish, especially. They have omegas, um, very helpful for you, and good nutrients. Wild fish, wild salmon in particular, would be my best advice. Greens. I would urge you to do greens and I would urge you to eat broccoli, kale, lettuce, any of those greens you you would, I I would urge you to partake in those. Look, greens are very important, very important. Iron, um, all these things are very important to help your body strengthen your immune system strengthen so those are the things i'd recommend i'd also recommend look i'd recommend seven hours of sleep if you can get it if you're an insomniac that would be difficult but if you can do six and a half i would say minimum seven hours of sleep a night i would recommend it if you're somebody who has to work during the night well if you can get seven hours of sleep during the daytime Please do it. Again, sleep is a way, getting at least seven hours of sleep a night is a way to help replenish your immune system, strengthen it so that you can fight off any kind of thing should, you know, this is still flu season as well, so that you can fight off any of these illnesses that come along. We are, we are in the midst of a flu season and it's a pretty particularly strong flu season, which means that you will find yourself um, sniffling probably and more than usual, at least here on the West Coast, there is a lot of pollen in the air. And if you've been sniffling lately and rubbing your eyes lately and they've been watering lately, well, that's because at least in California, in the, in the Bay Area, there is a lot of pollen in the air. One thing I would say is that I would strongly recommend that you make sure that everything is, uh, I would say, swiped down in your home and your keyboard, if you have a computer, uh, a laptop, is cleaned. Your remotes are cleaned. I would recommend that you clean your iPhone or any smartphone device that you have. I really would. I'd recommend that, especially if you're going out into the world with it. I would recommend that um, before you go out, you clean 
your iPhone down, you swipe it, uh, not swipe it, you, you, you wipe it with wipes. I would recommend, if you don't have wipes, if you have Windex, I mean, it's not the best alternative, but I'd recommend that. Um, if you have rubbing alcohol, I'd recommend that. Just a light um, application of rubbing alcohol to a tissue and wipe down your phone. That is really a way that you can uh, kill off any kind of germs or viruses because your iPhone is touched multiple times by you um, when you're outside, of of course, and when you're inside. So you want to make sure that you give that a, swi- a rub down every, every now and again. Do not shake hands with anybody. <laughs> do not do that. Do not touch your face if you haven't washed your hands especially, but I would try to re- avoid it. It's very difficult to do it 100%. But if you are in your home and you have washed your hands and you do so frequently, if you touch your face with a clean pair of hands, you should be okay. I'm sure that you wouldn't want to take chances, but one, I believe me, when you wash your hands and you touch your face with clean hands, you really shouldn't have too much to worry about. But it is touching your face when you are out in public, having touched other surfaces, having touched handles, doorknobs, whatever, out in public, that is not a good idea. Or if you're on public transportation, not a good idea. The buses have been empty or have been near empty around here. People are not taking any chances. I mean, that is the bottom line. People are not taking any chances. They are staying away. Uh, It's incredible. You go to a grocery store now and the shelves are completely empty in a lot of areas. People are panic buying. So, um, you know, I understand the precautions, but people... I think, are responding to what they're hearing uh, in the media, which is never a good thing, but it is understandable to a degree. So be careful with that. A lot of people congregating in stores um, to buy things. So be careful about that. You probably want to go to a grocery store as early as you can in the morning when it opens. Um, Although when I went early yesterday morning, there were loads of people waiting to get in. Um, It was really a zoo. So I I would recommend that uh, you um, take it easy, be careful. Um, One of the things I noticed also is that there were um, lots of people running to certain parts of the store. So getting the essentials. And one of the things that I was told by a cashier was that a particular grocery store made a record amount of money in the first hour of operation the previous day, $130,000, I was told, by this one grocery store. In the first hour of operation, a record, which is staggering. So it is important to um, make sure you get enough food for yourself, but... But be considerate of people. One of the things that isn't happening 
is people are not being considerate, I think. I mean, you've got people buying up, hoarding, hoarding things. And unfortunately, stores are not putting caps on the amount of things that people are buying. So there's this very selfish attitude that you've got some people who are just buying up in bulk. And I think that that is very selfish. It is not smart. It is not smart. Because then you've got other families who cannot get some of these items. Other people are left out because either they didn't come to the store very early in the morning or that you've just bought up the whole supply, which is not something that is advisable. And stores need to get in on this and start to put curbs on some of the essential things that are being purchased. When we are in a community, we should be able to fairly and squarely purchase things without being left out to the best of the opportunity that's there. So I wanted to spend those first 20 minutes talking about the coronavirus and and the response to it and the recommendations I would have. I do want to say one more thing. If you have um, a blocked up stuffy nose, that's not really an indication of coronavirus. According to the World Health Organization, these are the symptoms um, that you should pay attention to if you get them. A persistent dry cough. Body aches. Difficulty breathing. Sore thro- a persistent sore throat and fever. Those are the things that, if you have them, are symptoms for coronavirus, for COVID-19. If you find that you have those symptoms, please do not take any chances and self-isolate, stay at home if you are able to, because some people cannot stay at home. They've got to go to work. But I would strongly advise people not to go into work if you have those symptoms, because what will happen is is that you will spread that symptom to somebody else, especially when we're still in the midst of a strong flu season. So I would urge you, to stay home, to quarantine for at least a week. Some would say actually two weeks. So there you have it on coronavirus. All of this information that I am telling you um, is coming from the World Health Organization. And on Twitter, you can find them at WHO. You can also search them in an internet search search WHO or World Health Organization and you will come up with their website and then you can click on all the latest information. They are the most reliable source in terms of information about COVID-19 and coronavirus. So the rest of the time I wanted to spend talking about what's going on in this political season um, with the presidential Democratic nomination, the Democratic presidential nomination that's going on, the fight for it. There are two candidates, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, who are dueling, if you will, for that nomination. And right now the delegate, I won't give you the exact delegate count, 
but it's it Biden leads by say a hundred and thirty or so, hundred forty or so. There are still eighty-one, eighty-one delegates to be allocated allocated for California. California was officially uh, formalized this week with Bernie Sanders winning comfortably there, thirty-four percent to twenty-seven percent, and. You know, I I ranted yesterday about why it was that the media, corporate news media, did not choose to, on the night of Super Tuesday, announce that Bernie had won California. Did not choose to project it at all. They said it was too close to call, which it wasn't. It was not too close to call. Bernie had won right away because the Associated Press, the most reliable organ in the news and the official one to project these primary races and general elections instantly, instantly, as soon as the polls closed, projected California for Bernie Sanders. And they were quite right. And despite that projection, none of the other news organizations, certainly the corporate news media on cable, none of them called the race for Bernie Sanders in California. They should have. They didn't. They did not. And so for the primetime audience on the West Coast, they were left with the impression that Bernie Sanders was in a fight for his life in California, which he was not. Because even myself, looking that night at the uh, results, showed with 45% in that Bernie Sanders had a 10-point lead. And that's all the media were doing, was showing either a lead or saying that it was too close to call, or too early to call. Was the, was the right uh, descriptor. It was far from too early to call. The Associated Press had called it immediately and projected Bernie. And, you know, I went into that yesterday and, you know, and, and the kind of harm that did to Bernie because it, it gave viewers a perception that he was not very strong in California and so that that win um, was delayed for him. And only yesterday or the day before did the corporate news media decide to report it. And that was really a shame. Um, And I talked about that and why that was, I think, deliberate. But look, tomorrow is Sunday. And for those of you who are political junkies like I am, you will want to watch this debate tomorrow because that debate coming up is going to be very important for both candidates, but especially for Bernie Sanders since he is behind in the delegate count. Now, look, 140 or so is not that far behind when you've got the primaries that are to come. There are still close to 30 primaries that have to be litigated, if you will, and decided. And so this fight is going to continue. It is not as if there is an insurmountable lead. So, you know, I would caution people to start projecting these things out There are news organizations that have already been doing that, but they should not. Let the process play out. And I've always said that, no matter what, let the process play out. The same people who were saying that on the debate stage a few weeks ago are no longer on that debate stage. And the people who said that, who are still available, Joe Biden, is not saying that at all now. Instead, his surrogates are saying, well, we should close this thing down, close this puppy down. No, we should not close any puppies down, number one. Number two, we should allow voters and must allow voters in what, if we're calling it a democracy, 
and I put my uh, air quotes around that word, we should allow all voters to have their say, no matter what they choose. They can choose a man on the moon for all we know. Doesn't matter. We've got to give every voter a chance to vote. I think that's very important because this delegate race is close. 140 or so is not a big lead. And that lead is going to be reduced because 81 delegates are going to get a portion and Bernie Sanders will probably get 55% of them or four or, or um, 60% of them or so, something like that, 55, which is going to cut a little bit into Biden's lead. And we've got New York State coming up and New York has, I think, 275 delegates. Bernie is expected to win New York. And most of the populace in New York is in the city of New York, which benefits, strongly benefits Bernie Sanders. Brooklyn is his hometown. That's where he was born, Brooklyn, New York. And like I say, that most of the people in New York City are going to vote for Bernie, I think. I certainly expect that. Now, there could be some shenanigans. We've seen this before in New York. Last time, what happened with Bernie in Brooklyn, a lot of voters were not allowed to vote. There was, they were knocked off the rolls. There was all kinds of nonsense going on. And Hillary Clinton ended up claiming New York City and then ultimately the state of New York. So we'll see what happens this time around. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of shenanigans and I will talk about those again at a later date. But this debate is so important tomorrow for Bernie because Bernie now has to really um, go after Joe Biden on the issues. He said he would. Apparently, this is going to be a debate where they get to ask each other questions. It's going to be before um, just the moderators, no studio audience, thank goodness. And I think they should keep it that way. Coronavirus or no co- coronavirus. I think that that should be the case. We'll see if that ever happens. But this will be a substantive debate, I hope, I expect. And you should have some very interesting back and forths. Bernie Sanders is an excellent debater. He has been arguably the most consistent, I think the most consistent debater from day one. He's very good at that. He's very good at uh, uh, telling a story uh, and just applying it to his debate his campaign principles and what his issues that his issues and messaging he is very good at that um he will just relentlessly hit you with the issues relentlessly hit you with his positions on them and weave that into every answer which makes him very effective very influential and very strong very powerful when you continue to weave home your message your bumper sticker message into your responses it makes you very effective and it just seeps into the sub to the conscience and it is very effective stuff so we'll see what bernie does joe biden i would be concerned about because he has not shown himself to be a good debater at all he does not get to speak for very long and whenever he speaks he stumbles and i'm not talking about stuttering i'm talking about getting the facts wrong aka also lying and he cannot form coherent sentences He cannot get his ideas across without stumbling over his words. And again, I'm not talking about stuttering. There's a big difference. Do not use your childhood stumbling block, stuttering as an excuse here. Joe Biden has not 
had to work very hard to get to this nomination point where he is leading. He's not the nominee at the moment, nor is Bernie, neither of them are. But Joe Biden has not been challenged largely. Apart from last November or so, when the media was wondering, well, is this guy really fit for prime time? We're still wondering that. Now that he is leading in the delegate race, we are still wondering that. The media has all of a sudden decided not to ask that question anymore. Joe Biden had a Facebook Live event on Friday that did not go well. It lasted for about five minutes, four minutes plus. He was two and a half hours late to it. Then he took a question from a constituent in Illinois where this thing, I guess, was being coordinated from. And he was not good. And it was on Facebook Live. It was not a good event. He wandered off the camera, wandered wandered out of shot to the point where he was almost entirely off the screen. And stood there for a good 10 to 20 seconds. And then it was so bad that they just had to cut to the logo, Illinois for Biden, which completely covered the screen. Then they shut down the event. They had some technical problems. They said it it was just embarrassing. And I think Joe Biden himself had to apologize. This was not good. This is two days before a debate. I guess it happened yesterday. And this is not good. Joe Biden and his campaign have to do better than this. Because if he's the nominee... He will be coming up against Donald Trump if he gets to the nominee stage. And he will have to do a lot better than this. He really will. I think that whomever is the Democratic nominee will easily win this election this fall. I don't think there's any question now with the way that uh, this guy in the White House has conducted himself, obviously, but now especially with this coronavirus and how terrible he and his administration have been and how lackadaisical they've been, I think that no matter what now, either one of the Democrats who are vying for this nomination are going to have no problem. But we it takes us to vote, though. We've still got to get out there and vote. So that's what my outlook is um, on that but this debate is huge tomorrow in Washington DC it will be on CNN 5pm Pacific time 8pm uh, excuse me 8pm Eastern time 5 Pacific you will want to watch that because I think it's going to be the first debate that's going to be any of any substance of all the ones we've had and there will not be any food fights look this is a debate between a 77 year old and 78 year old There's not going to be any food fighting going on. And there's not going to be any audience to encourage that. And there's not going to be any questions from the moderators to encourage that. Unlike all these other debates. So we'll see what happens tomorrow, Sunday, March the 15th, 2020. And stay tuned to the um, WHO, uh, WHO World Health Organization. Um... I expect that the tax time will be extended by the IRS. I would hope they would do that uh, for people um, because April 15th is coming up. I would expect that the IRS would extend 
on the deadline. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. And then the census has now got to look at this as well because um, I don't know if people are even going to go to people's houses now. I would probably advise against that. You know, you've got film festivals being cancelled all over the place. The sporting calendar has been cancelled all over the place. So there's no sporting events going on. Um, no concerts really going on. They've all been cancelled. Um, tours, concert tours being cancelled. I think Elton John now is going to do the same with his. He was in Sydney, Australia um, for a number of days uh, doing his tour for about a month and he uh, had walking pneumonia there a few weeks ago. People who like me, who Elton John fans can tell you, he had walking pneumonia and had to cancel a date or two before returning to do a couple of others. And then you hear that Tom Hanks and Rita, Rita Hanks, Rita Wilson, um, came down with coronavirus. So, you know, Elton John, I think, should, should uh, especially at his age now, should probably take some time off. And he is actually taking time off. It just so happens that he did have, coincidentally, a three-week break in his concert schedule. And I don't know if he's going to resume that schedule once um, his break is over at the end of this month. He, in fact, he has a birthday coming up in the next few days too. So um, I don't know. I, I just hope that he and his family stay safe and everybody out there, all of you, stay safe and be well. Take care. And this has been the weekend edition, Saturday edition of the AudioCast. I'm Omar Moore and you can find me on Twitter at the popcorn r-e-e-l that is the popcorn reel at the popcorn r-e-e-l thank you